This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow standard orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take it soon. I say. You will obey. It is the word of Landrew. Joy to you, friends. Welcome to Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show about the original Star Trek series. This is a show where we dive into the characters, concepts, cliches, and other things that don't start with C about the original series. My name is Drew, or Landrew. I'm the TOS editor for the network. And with me today is my co-host Mike from Commentary Track Stars. Hello. And once again, we're joined by his co-host of Commentary Track Stars and Commentary Track Stars and every other thing like that, Max. Hey, how's it going? Fantastic. Cool. I'm excited to have you back. I was cutting... Uh, last week's episode, and I had three possible clips, you know, for the previously on Trek FM, and mm-hmm. I couldn't decide. I'm like, this one's so good. This one's so good. This one's so good. So I'm looking forward to to doing this again. Yeah, that's why editing is terrible. <laughs> Not cutting out the bad parts, but leaving what's good. Yeah, it's all terrible. <laughs> Well, today we're going to kind of run off of uh, what we talked about last week. We did a commentary on uh, a piece of the action last week, so you may want to listen to that. First, you don't necessarily have to be watching the episode, uh, but today we're going to talk about we're gonna we're gonna have like a little writer's room. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break break is the word right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're, we're gonna break the the story of a piece of the action, the movie. For, so, the, the the reason why this came about is because this is something which Max has talked about on numerous occasions. Max, do you want to just tell your... Well, okay. Um, it, it's basically just, it comes from feeling dissatisfied with the imagination of most movies. They tend to be very safe options. And uh, one of the most dissatisfying things about the new Star Trek series of movies, the new series of Star Trek movies, is that... They seem to be really safe options, no matter what their choice is. Like, their most daring option is picking the most successful villain ever as the new villain for the new movie, which I think is really disappointing. And if I heard them say something crazy, I would be very interested to know how they were accomplishing that. Because it's similar to, like, the way Christopher Nolan did things. When I heard the the Joker, I thought, no, the Joker is an impossible character. He's absurd. They're not going to make him work. And he made him work amazingly well. And uh, I was totally blown away by that. And if you'd said, you know, Bane and uh, Talia show up, I'd have been like, no, that's crazy. You cannot cut any of this out. You cannot cut any of this out. This is all solid. And and I and I and I think that if I heard them say something completely crazy, like they picked the most bizarre, absurd episode of the original series and said, that's our inspiration for the new movie, I would think, what? They must really know something about that story that I have not thought of. They must be seeing it in a way that uh, no one has ever talked about it before. So when I picked a, an episode that that exemplified that absurdity, but also like kind of almost seemed possible in some weird way, I, I picked a piece of the action because 
Like it's not completely devoid of of like action. I mean, there are guns in like basically every scene, uh, but it's also completely absurd with people running around with um like Runyon esque dialogue. People going back and forth and talking with weird. Everybody's got a bizarre nickname, and and they're all talking like they're in a movie from the forties, and it's absurd. So that was my sort of essentially because it's so crazy, it might as well be that episode. Random choice, a piece of the action. But to me, like, that always kind of made sense because, like, whenever I heard you say that, I think, well, yeah, you totally could do a piece of the action. Just it wouldn't have to be, you know, Chicago gangsters or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You've, I mean, you could do it. They set it up in the first scene of Into Darkness, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, you, it, the contamination of a society. Sure. You go back to that planet. Okay, now what I'm, I'm I know what you're saying you're saying that it's a totally doable storyline. I'm saying, do you actually think that if they did this, if they did this is as the new Star Trek movie, that people would go, that seems completely reasonable? Okay, I think what would happen is if it depends on how they pitched it. If they were like, this is about the contamination of a society, people would be like, yeah. But if they were like, we're doing piece of the action. People would be like, what? Oh, my God. No, no, no. I'm, Jar Jar Binks I'm, strikes again or I'm, Jar Jar Abrams <laughs> or whatever the hell they call him. I don't know. I don't know what they call him. I don't yeah. know. Um, um, I'm saying, I'm saying, you tell me if that sounds reasonable. The Enterprise crew goes to this planet, mm-hmm. which has now culturally, dramatically shifted in a completely different direction. And now it, like, what would be the, what would be the thing that they look like? What would be the the thing that they have, the the style or culture that they have aped? Yeah. I mean, I think that that is perfectly reasonable. I'm asking a question. What what would it be? Yes. What would it be? I don't know. Do you have an idea, Drew? Well, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm I'm imagining the trailer cuts because I I like trailers Mm -hmm. and it would have to be something that the, the general audience would be excited about. Exactly. You know, because they're used to, you know, red shirts and Kirk making out with green women. I mean, look at the trailer for the 2009. It's just fast cars and Kirk making out with green women. Right. So I imagine it would be something, it would have to be something that, that speaks to uh, culture today. Right. It would have to be something that wasn't so weird that general audiences would think, that's not those movies that I've seen. That's some other thing because obviously it can't be because that's crazy. But it also has to be the thing or it's not. Well, okay. They could definitely do something which is earthbound because they, they've talked about how, you know, like one of the things about the, the new movies or whatever is they, they would talk about how the studio would want them to do some would want them to go back to earth they found that when you put earth in the trailer you know people want to go see the movie more right. so that's why the last two movies have spent a lot of time on earth and they were hoping to get away from that in this one this would be a way to get away from earth and yet still have you know earth stuff in the trailer right i'm hearing i'm hearing a lot of hypotheticals that involve no specifics and i think okay. that is okay. No, hold on. Okay, well, I'm, on. I'm, I'm setting on. it up. I'm setting it up. All right. Okay. The only the 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 only thing that that I can think of, and it, it may be my you know passion for Star Trek Four, I guess, but is the '80s. I think that it's. I mean, if we're talking about old Earth cultures, yeah. and you know, in the '60s, it was the the 
the twenties, maybe something to do with the eighties or nineties, but that would be ridiculously stupid. Well, okay. Well, how about this? If we're going to, if we're going to be doing that, if we're going to be going to a different time period, you know, since Star Trek is from the sixties, maybe that's what it should be is the sixties. Yes. Mad Men Planet. I thought of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> Mad Men Planet. I love it. It doesn't really seem like it would make a trailer that would not elicit laughter. Right. Any trailer, any trailer based on a piece of the action is going to elicit laughter. I mean, imagine trying to cut a trailer up from the existing episode, like Kirk with fuzzy hats pointing guns at little kids. You know, it's that sounds awesome, but maybe not like a Star Trek movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's let's look at it this way. Now, last last week. Max, you suggested the possibility of Star Wars, the Star Wars planet, right? Yeah, well, that's that's me as a person who knows that that will never occur, but also right. knows that if we lived in a world where that was possible, that would be pretty neat. Okay, so it's th- not. Well, take taking that idea. Okay? okay, Star Trek is a Paramount franchise. What other Paramount franchise would be a possible crossover? Transformers. Oh, Transformers! I didn't think of that. I was I was thinking. I already, G. Thought, G. Of, I already thought of Transformers. I already the Transformers G. are aliens. Yeah, mm-hmm. they go to a planet where it's just a bunch of cars, so, and they, so that's they transform. No, 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 no. They're, they're that regular. Theory, that theory only works if the Transformers yeah. contaminate the culture, no. and they're and they come to the planet, and they're all dressed as like cardboard box robots. No, 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 no. <laughs> they go to the regular. They they go to to um, Cybertron. And they contaminate it, and then all of a sudden, the tra- the transformers, which are usually like weird alien spaceships and stuff, are transforming into like sports cars and everything from Earth. Um, I get. Oh yeah, man, that's could, not you could really. Totally do that's not a... really so much funny as it is pathetic. No, no, no. But I mean, couldn't you totally do a Star Trek Transformers crossover? I I would be surprised if Dark Horse had not done that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, these are all solidly hilarious ideas. They are not ideas that would ever happen. And that's no. really the thing that 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 I think is is interesting about this 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 concept because like let's say Mike, let's say you were playing Studio Boss. Mm-hmm. And your job was to make sure that whatever ridiculous idea we came up with the audience would not think no, mm-mm, no, yeah. And 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 Drew, your your job was to essentially like turn this crazy idea and this marketable concept into an actual story, an actual shootable movie with actors. Yeah. And my job was to make absolutely sure that somehow this fit the model of a piece of the action in some way, not precisely. But captured the most relevant part of that story, which is essentially the aping of another culture without an awareness of its nuances. Yeah. I believe that paradigm to be impossible. If any one of us succeeds, it's because someone else failed. (laughs) It's kind of like that you can have it fast and and good, but not cheap. And you can have it fast and cheap, but not good. You can have it good and cheap. But then it's very sexy. Yeah. So, okay. What other options are there? Tra- Transformers, are we saying that that doesn't work? I they, think we can definitely might, say that the they might go that for the that, Transformers though. planet doesn't work. They might go for that. Would you go for that, Drew? 
if you're a director if i was a director trying to to make an actual story yeah i mean personally i would shy away from it because then you'd be or would you be, shy uh, away it would from be, it you're a bad person <laughs> <laughs> you're a very bad person okay i sorry. was gonna go for like a jj bay kind of joke but that was much better <laughs> Okay, so well, people complain enough about the Transformers movies uh, uh, violating their childhood, mm-hmm. and now that JJ has Star Wars, we're going to worry about him violating our childhood. And people claim that about the new Star Trek, so I imagine that that combining Star Trek and and Transformers would cause a lot of fanboys to just their heads to just explode aneurysms. Well, it might be a good way to just finally, you know, break the lid on this this cultural dissatisfaction and maybe just start the full-blown revolution that I've been waiting for. Of what? Oh, um the violent overthrow of of the entire society by a bunch of really angry nerds who are really <laughs> sick of people ruining perfectly decent franchises. Okay. Well, I'd be more I'd be more thinking that that would be good to if you wanted to wipe out that population. You know, this would be the way to do it. Anytime there's a violent uprising, it's a good opportunity for everyone involved. If everyone, if they just play the game well, I mean, you can you can pretty much accomplish anything you want. Okay, so Transformers is out, even though we could probably get Michael Bay to direct it, which would be cool. What? God, you totally fit this model. I'm amazed how well this is working. You really are the studio executive hey, instantly. Look, Michael Bay is a very, he, very good director. He just wants he just wants if we're not gonna do Chicago mobs of the twenties and film it in Chicago, he just wants Michael Bay to film it in Chicago. There you go. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. Oh man, that'd be awesome to go see a Star Trek movie being shot. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael Bay, I mean, you give him a good script and he can make a good movie, no problem. I mean, he's done it numerous times. At least two times. Yeah, The Rock (laughs) is awesome. The Rock is such an awesome movie. Yeah, he's done it at least two times. Anyone who doesn't like Michael Bay... at most, two times. Anyone who doesn't like Michael Bay obviously has not seen The Rock. I've not seen The Rock and I do not like Michael Bay. So there's your theory. You need to watch The Rock because it is an amazing movie. Well, you just proved your point. That's how science works. Yeah. Okay, so what other what other possibilities are there? I mean, we look at I can, other. I can, other... I, can, I can tell you the 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 hypotheses that I've come up with over the past few weeks. All right, go for it. Um, uh, various forms of contamination. Um, if you say that the horizon did in fact do that thing where they were there earlier, then perhaps things have evolved in a different direction because of involvement of Starfleet going to various places. So you could argue lots of little supplemental contamination. Lots of little bits of contamination that happened more recently than the Horizon. But because Starfleet responds to the Narada's influence, they go out to various places and just check on things. They do a lot of keeping tabs on various planets. So let's say that they've been contaminated a second time and it's something along the lines of the episode with the communicator lost. Uh, and they've just gained access to all of Earth culture. And there's, like, there's the obvious parallel is, like, you know, what what do they look like now? And I would think that you'd end up making them look a lot like Starfleet. Which would be basically the thing that they wanted to do on Deep Space Nine. It's yeah. sort of what they did with Galaxy Quest. And I think there's the, the closest we have to an actual plausible option. Although I would really love Klingon Shakespeare Planet. 
thing on Shakespeare Planet would be okay, but I, I don't know if that would necessarily make a lot of sense. But no, okay, let's let's go back to the first idea there. If you do the the uh, Galaxy Quest DS Nine thing, that would be a way for them to, yeah, like like they you could say if this is let's say the the next movie in the JJ verse, okay? Yes. They they see this stuff and just like in piece of the action, they interpret it not quite right. So like for example, um all of their buildings or whatever have like very bright primary colors and everything like that and basically you costume them and you know production design the thing like it's the original series. Okay, you just Yes. You just you really think that the general audience is not going to laugh at that. Well, I I think that it is humorous, but I think you're going to get you know, part of the general audience being like, okay, this is weird. But, I mean, it's okay for them to laugh at that. They laughed at Voyage Home, and it was the most successful movie, you know, that they've done. Okay, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that that's how they think now. So so, so then you've got the, um, you know, the, the fans, you know, the original series fans who are like, this is so so terrible that J.J. Abrams has ruined this franchise and everything. And then they get yeah. the throwback to the original stuff. And, you know, of course, they'd probably complain about, like, oh, so that's the fake stuff. That's the misinterpretation, huh? But whatever, you know? Well, no, I, I know think that the they would. You just said. I, I think I know what he was going for. I, I think that the fans would react as if it was mocking them. I don't think that I think that anything that that JJ Abrams or Bad Robot produces for those fans they would see it as some kind of an affront. Yeah, and I think that might be honestly I think that might be their problem because I mean when they did it on Deep Space 9 no one looked at it like that, you know. Well, they weren't they weren't it wasn't like a fake culture. It was, let's go back to this classic episode. But if it's a culture that misinterprets the JJ verse as the TOS verse, yes, I think they would, they would see it as some kind of, of mockery. I think that's that, well, the obvious that's option. That's crazy. What's the obvious option? I don't know why you're not seeing it, but I think that this is completely, totally obvious and unbelievably bizarre that no one has talked about it. What? It is the JJ verse. What do you mean? They ape Starfleet. They make wait, wait. they make the JJ verse of the JJ verse. They okay. make one. They make a, a Starfleet, uh, an Enterprise, a Captain Kirk, a Spock. They ape everything, but they do it hollow, shallow, devoid of meaning and substance. They capture only the superficial qualities and divorce it from everything that it ever was that made it wait. worthwhile. So the, so the superficial <laughs> the the supposed superficial qualities of the JJ verse would yes. then be further superficial yes into 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 what how could you into exactly the the parody that seems so obvious scenes completely disconnected dramatic turns that are completely forced and everyone always always has to sprint to everything <laughs> I mean, you could do that, but I think maybe... All the buildings, absurdly large. Every you hallway, know? ridiculously long. Walls, unbelievably high. For no reason. And there's your trailer. It's just full of action and people yes. running. Because but, that's the entire movie. But I still think, um, visually, you might need to go back to the 60s series. I think that's the, the hook. Because what... Uh, no, the hook, the hook is, is not... 
this is a piece of the action. The hook is, I don't know how this is a piece of the action. I'm going to have to see the movie. But I think, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on, on what you're going to do. But that, first off, I don't think that they would go for that unless they brought in new people, you know? I don't think no, anyone No, what they do is that. they, it would be actually a way of owning the criticism and surpassing it. If yeah. if you admitted that these new movies are actually somewhat shallow and they are a bit superficial, then maybe you could actually start to turn it around if you directly faced the problem. If you had a culture that had aped their culture in some way, that might actually force the franchise to think about itself more deeply, which would be exactly in keeping with a piece of the action. That is actually very close to the point of that episode. It is but, but, a reflection of something about ourselves where we tend to romanticize and, and, and gloss over details. And when you don't think about the, the further complications or ramifications of the thing, you end up not understanding that thing in any significant way. And you end up with something that doesn't reflect anything positive or even critical. But how would the characters learn from that? Sure, it would be great if the franchise, you know, acknowledged that kind of thing. But would Kirk just look and see, man, man, I do run everywhere, don't I? I, I think that I think that some of it would have to be a kind of meta commentary, and some of it would actually have to be something that the characters recognize. We, as an audience, might recognize that they do absurdly have to sprint everywhere. I'm not sure if they would know what they were recognizing if they saw them doing that. But if they saw people acting the way they act, they might think perhaps they are acting stupidly. Because if a character act, acted the way Kirk tends to act in these movies, which is sort of like comically brash and comically cocky, it's not really plausible cocky and brash. It's sort of impossibly cocky and brash certainly for a person of authority. Like it's, it's kind of absurd that he hasn't been demoted more times. But how do you distinguish this plan? I mean, I don't know that it seems like it's so close then to what you have already that it's um, not, it's, it's hard to distinguish, you know, the that's reality the, I, from that, the, that's why I think that, that that's why I think that it has to be, um, essentially a, like a kind of counterfeit society within Starfleet. If there is a population of people who have just pretended to be Starfleet and they've created their own sort of doppelganger Starfleet. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm not opposed to this idea at all, but I'm just thinking about it from like watching this thing. Like, I think that you would need to visually separate it and you would need to turn it into something which is visually recognizable. And I think still... The obvious choice there, even if we keep exactly what you're saying, but just talk about the visuals, the, the choice would be to make it, you know, original series, 60s Trek. I think that's silly because that's like saying that I think you need to visually recognize that when the body snatchers take someone over, they don't look exactly like people. That's the point. I, I get, it has to look like I guess the right thing. I don't know. I don't know. It has to look right. That's that's like the 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 narrative that's being shaped. It's it's 
It's something that looks right, but isn't. Well, I guess it depends on how close to piece of the action you want it to be, you know? You want it to be as close to what the piece of the action is really about. And it's not about gangsters. And it's not about a society that looks a lot like a part in, in human history. It's about a society shaped around something that is not theirs. It's about a society pretending to be something. It's not about a society that is a thing. It's about a society that does not know what this thing is or why it is the way it is being it because they feel there's something about it that they that, that appeals to them, which I think directly goes to the issue, which is, is this new franchise legitimate? And if you deal with the idea that many people believe it is not, and it's entirely possible that there is no legitimate claim to legitimacy. That legitimacy as a concept is not really a hard and fast definable concept. That you actually have to kind of earn legitimacy over time, through experience, through trial. Then you could actually deal with the reality that this is a new franchise that's pretending to be an old franchise, but hasn't quite filled the role yet. Where where do you fall on this, Drew? I don't know. It's like I I see I see what Max is saying. Um, I'm not sure how well the general audience would. I don't think that they would get it because I don't think the general audience knows that there is this dichotomy, this 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 war between the the old and the new. Well, you don't need to know like essentially the 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 meta meta narrative you only need to know like the 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 narrative in the construct which is that there's the starfleet and there's the counterfeit starfleet so so what would be the the plot what would be like the 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 storyline of you know sure they discover a planet that's uh, um, like it well, you know, I'm not sure if this is like the best idea, but it's the one that makes sense to me. Um, some sort of, um, some sort of series of of, of essentially incompetence, failures, um, significant errors occurring somewhere, and essentially it's blamed on people who weren't there. Like, let's say that you know somebody on, let's say that that on some planet, the Enterprise showed up uh, and got involved in some stuff couple crew members died and the enterprise responded very stupidly and let's say they like told them hey i know this whole like armageddon thing that you've got going on instead of doing that in computers wouldn't it be great if you actually built bombs and like the entire planet's been destroyed and there's record of the enterprise essentially causing this mm -hmm. and they're okay. like well Kirk, why'd you do that? And they're like, I wasn't there. I was totally not even totally there. There's like videotape of me. I was totally hooking up with this chick at Space Vegas. There's definitely video of me there. I saw Spock with a camera phone. He was totally videoing me. I will show you that video. I was totally not there. I did not do that. And that's how you get the characters in the situation trying to figure out about this counterfeit Starfleet. Yeah. And then there's a conflict because... The counterfeit Starfleet obviously is saying, no, we are legitimate. Mm -hmm. We are these guys. I know that we weren't born these guys, but so what? That doesn't make it untrue. That is a very original series type of story, you know? Mm -hmm. Mistaken identity. What? No, I didn't. That wasn't us. That wasn't the Enterprise. 
Yeah, but it's also a sort of thing that happens in these new movies. Okay. All right. So, so, so that makes sense. Okay, and then and then they 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 go to figure out who it is who actually did this, yeah. since all evidence does point to them. And it would be cool if they did something like like that, you know, where they they pulled something from an original series episode uh, that this other crew did. And then, yeah. So 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 then so then they they do starting this. to work, isn't it? It is. But I still say that you do all of this, however, as a callback to the fans and also to get a little humor in there. And because, I mean, this would be a way to win fans over. It's like, okay, guys, you don't like the style of the new movies? Well, how about this? How about you see all those people who who said, like, oh, I want the original series, you know, ship in the original series bridge and costumes up on the big screen in a $200 million movie? Let's put it in there, you know, and yeah, okay, so maybe you modify well, no, you wouldn't even have to modify some things because it's a different society whose technology evolved in a different way, and maybe they haven't mastered digital clocks, you know that's <laughs> fine, you know, and maybe they like primary colors because you know they're cool that way i would i mean why I would do that, why not, you know, so you could have all this stuff be like original series, you know what fine. Let's have let's have that. Right. I think that what you're doing is silly. Well, but you know I what? don't think you are aware of how silly that stuff looks on screen. No, I, I am totally aware of how silly it looks. But you look at like how they did it in Enterprise; it worked fine. How they did it in Enterprise? Yeah, by not doing it. No, they did it. No, they didn't. No, no, no. What I'm talking about, like like in the Mirror Universe episode. So you think that that wasn't silly looking? I think it was tongue in cheek. Okay, so you think that there's nothing th- look, that like the audience look, is going to go like, this is "Oh, I get it." No, that's crazy. This A general audience saying. who doesn't know this is obviously going to think they've lost their mind. But if you're doing it humorously and they're doing it so no. crazy, I want to know where they're getting their supply. But if you do it humorously, people like our listeners are going to think that it's it's a that it's offensive, that it's mocking them. The fake Starfleet looks and acts like the original series. Well, maybe they're ruining planets and not caring about the consequences. Look, I mean, we could that's... Go, yeah, we could go you back know, and forth well, on this, you know but what, honestly, if, okay. I don't think that it's a significant thing, and I think you're basically just wrong. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but to speak to what Drew was saying, if people, if fans of the show, see that and think that they're being mocked, for one thing, look. Maybe it is a, a a gentle, you know, ribbing or whatever. But secondly, if they're going to be offended by that, maybe they should start to, to look at themselves because, you know what? Oh, <laughs> it's perfectly fine to make fun of yourself even, you know? I mean... This, I'm looking the at the man series... in the mirror and asking him to make a change? <laughs> the original series used to do that all the time, you know? I mean, it's perfectly fine to make fun of Star Trek. It is. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine to make fun of Trekkies. You know, no one's offended by Galaxy Quest, you know? Right? Or are there people who are offended by it? I don't know. I don't know. I would be surprised if William Shatner was not at some point offended (laughs) by Galaxy Quest. (laughs) I would be surprised. I'm sure he appreciates it now, but I would be surprised if when he originally heard about it, he did not think, um, not cool, guys. (laughs) I'm sure he probably thought that, and I'm sure after people said, no, no, it's okay, Bill, 
But I don't honestly think he's ever seen that movie. Look, out of all the things in this thing, this incredibly bizarre scenario, the color scheme is really not up on the on the high end of the important things list. No, but well, so I'm just can saying, we move on? Fine, I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> I, in trying to picture it in my head, especially if you're going to be taking like ideas from the original series, and then. Yep. You could have, I mean, especially if you want to make it comedic, you have people do, you know, oh, could you go so far as to get the, the, the phase two people? No, I was no. thinking more that the, I was thinking that the, the cast would be uh, CG versions of the original actors. Uh, I don't know if you could do CG versions, but definitely people who are doing like impressions of the original actors. No, no, you get sexier younger versions of everyone 14 year olds yes <laughs> I, I don't i don't i don't think that that would work i don't know how many characters we can get to be played by justin bieber but at least four i could see him as bones but um no okay he plays all the female leads <laughs> yeah okay i can see that because when we're gone that guy he is pretty <laughs> that's true yeah um all right so so okay so so they 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 discover that that someone else is is a uh, you know on, is a uh, you know operating on their territory mm-hmm. shall sure. we say yeah right and uh they the 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 real enterprise the prime not the prime <laughs> the, the jj prime enterprise the optimus prime enterprise <laughs> They're like, hey, we want a piece of the action or whatever. Yes. So they go to stop this this new ship. Yeah. And then what happens when they encounter them? I guess it just pretty much plays out the way you'd think it would, right? Well, I, yeah. I, I think there there has to be some sort of like complications. There 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 must be like uh, like further influences, like the idea of uh, the idea of possibly teaming up with them has to be at some point like brought up as a as an option. Because the only reason for, you know, like this sort of thing occurring is like a kind of like arbitrary conflict over essentially like the image of Starfleet. If a bunch of people are running around that like aren't behaving the way that they should, then it just makes Starfleet look bad, at which point you end up making a movie that seems to be kind of about intellectual property laws, which also sounds awesome. (laughs) <laughs> but not really appealing to a mass audience. Yeah. So Shia LaBeouf plays Kirk. Oh, that's good. Shia LaBeouf plays counterfeit Kirk. Yeah. Right. I don't know if that's acting. <laughs> so, so so then so then the the crew. Uh, there's got to so, be like so a the final JJ, conflict. The JJ crew has to teach the the counterfeit crew how to act by yeah. basically saying, "Don't act like us." Yeah. You know, stop running everywhere. Yeah, put some things closer to other things. <laughs> why is it? Why is your your giant ship got all of its stuff so far away? Why don't you have a smaller ship? Just seems totally reasonable to me. So then, who 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 are the villains? Because these guys aren't really the villains. You've got to have you know, like no, they have to no, team no. up at the end to have a a to, to beat some bigger bad guy. And here's where we get into a question about um like like the the, the medium versus the 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 marketing. Uh does there need to be a villain villain? 
Because no. I've said before that, like, you know, the real Wrath of Khan is the feeling that we need to have an iconic villain when, like, some of the best Star Trek didn't really have a villain you could point your finger at and say, that's the villain. Like, many times it's sort of not really there or it's a but, situation or it's like just so alien that you can't really call it a villain like the probe in well, four yeah, yeah i don't i don't that's not a villain but, that's but, just a bad weather but there's always got to be a conflict like even like in data's day they had a whole subplot about you know the uh the romulans and like a double agent and stuff so so what is the conflict because you have to have them you know it's got to be like a superhero team up kind of thing where you know batman and spider-man are like yeah duking it out and then they realize that you know Mm, see i i think that that is that's sort of the problem i think that the problem is the idea that because they share the superficial qualities of of their of their their their, their essentially their their morals are superficially very similar they're they're ethically very similar on a very superficial level but right underneath the surface this other culture doesn't really understand why okay they so... are behaving this way so they would essentially behave um like somebody who isn't actually liberal but just pretends to be liberal because it gives them the license to be uh irresponsible so so do you do you end it then with like a conflict between the two of them and then they realize the error in their ways and i think that the superhero have, team up, have like a little banquet I, honestly thing honestly i think that the superhero team up here is with the the obvious villain you have them essentially like trying to like like the the entire situation is caused by like starfleet trying to make sure that their their network is not vulnerable and with klingon pressure they're going all around their system checking on and everything and they accidentally cause this weird little flare up where this society of geniuses who don't really understand nuance ape their society intricately in order to help them of course, they make everything worse because they're irresponsible and don't understand why these rules exist or how they're supposed to be followed. They only center the letter of the rules. So the villain is the Klingons. The obvious villain is this culture that is very obviously opposed, this culture that is very obviously dangerous and violent. Okay. But they have a history. They have a culture. They understand why these rules exist. They are wise in their violence. This new culture does not have that this new culture is is incredibly powerful so, so like but new, like a dangerously stupid child so so the new culture flares up tensions with the klingons and the the enterprise needs to come in to defuse the situation and they team up with the klingons okay all right it's interesting i can see that that right. to me is the story and i believe that that would be a great movie i also believe that no one would go for it no, quite possible. I would. Go. I'm still leaning toward the uh, somebody leaves behind a DVD box set of Mad Men. <laughs> I would go for it. Holographic but... Blu-ray. Yeah. Yes. And it's just a misogynistic, you know, because they don't see that that uh, that Don Draper is a is not a a protagonist to be uh, idolized. Half the planet <laughs> is just distilleries for various alcohols. Yeah, and the other half are tobacco tobacconists. Well, that's both halves. That doesn't yep. leave a lot of planet. Yeah. Well, then they just advertise for each other, and that's it. That's not bad. Yeah. Have you brought East Hemisphere brand tobacco products? They're the best tobacco products on the East Hemisphere. Also, the only ones. 
<laughs> well, it's been fun talking about a possible piece of the action movie, but uh, that's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. A piece of the action commentary. Wouldn't that be amazing if you went to a solar system and Spock was like, Okay, Kirk, you're not going to believe this, but I'm pretty sure there's a Death Star here. Yeah, I was going to say, you could you could just go to a Death Star, you know? And he'd be like, no, there isn't. Holy cow, there is. Oh my god, that's awesome. Earl Grey. TNG Season 1 Recap. And we get to see some junior officers that Lieutenant LaForge is, is now in command of. Instant pep talk and miss I don't know what button to push. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you leave the entire senior crew off. The ready room. Affliction and divergence. Yeah, the other interesting thing about that, though, is to compare the Klingon ethics with the Section 31 ethics, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, there are some groups within the Klingons who maybe don't feel exactly the same way. But then yeah. there's this group within the humans who feels completely different. You kind of wonder what the Klingons think maybe about someone who wouldn't do this. The orb. Implications of genetic enhancement. Miles slowly kind of gets to know these other characters. He's a little bit more comfortable with them, but he's still kind of at arm's length because he, they don't have that normal sense of control, what yeah. we would call normal sense of control, that Julian does. To the journey! The Borg. Some people might really get on my case for saying this, but I think the Borg were bigger baddies and more threatening and more scary in TNG than they ever were on Voyager. Warp 5. Enterprise Season 3 with Larry Nemechek. All of a sudden, UPN got put under Les Moonves, the head honcho of CBS, the master TV network dealmaker, and kind of looked at this thing, and he was not all caught up in the goldenness of the 90s and the aughts, and he's like... You guys aren't paying your own way. Commentary, Trek stars. Alphas. Those TV shows were nerds. And nerds liked those TV shows because like, of what they were. And Alphas was actually a pretty cool nerd. And people didn't seem to like it <laughs> because it was just a little bit too tough looking. Like yeah. it maybe knows how to throw a football. Literary Treks. Slings and arrows, the oppressor's wrong. And I'm curious to see the next time I go back and watch Homefront Paradise Lost how much this adds to the experience for me, knowing all this stuff that was going on and knowing how much more involved Leighton's plans were than what we knew about just from the episodes. Matter stream. Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters and Richard Hatch. If you've ever experienced war or any kind of um, conflict where everything is life and death, there's a certain kind of... Um, resolve, truth, experience that you come to that um, I don't think too many people can understand or ever really uh, empathize with. And introducing our newest show, Melodic Treks, covering the music of Star Trek. Alexander Courage and the TOS theme. Roddenberry, in fact, wrote words for Cottage's Star Trek theme song, not because he expected the lyrics to be sung on television or anything like that, but just so that by doing, he could claim credit as the song's co-creator and therefore receive half the royalties from the song. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Windows Phone, Xbox, Zoom, or you can stream and download files from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. We got an email uh, from the website from Renee Roberts. 
uh, our good friend Imres from uh, Twitter. And she says, Hi guys, I've been listening since you started. I'm so sorry that it's taken me so long to write in. I love your show. You guys do an excellent job. About your Romulan episode, I've often asked myself why Spock didn't know whether or not the Romulans were an offshoot of Vulcans. Currently, I'm reading The Bloodwing Voyages by Diane Duane, and she gives a very reasonable explanation. The factions that descended to Surak's teachings still consider themselves Vulcans when they left the planet under the leadership of Surak's former student, Satask. They did not begin to change their language or cultural identity until long after they were out of communications range with the planet. The fate of those ships remained unknown to the Vulcans, and the whole incident faded somewhat from memory in the intervening millennia. Since Romulans never again sought contact with Vulcan, any theories about how they were related became pure conjecture. Besides, Vulcanoid populations, I like our use of Vulcanoid, (laughs) had also evolved independently on other worlds, as we saw in TNG's Who Watches the Watchers, so it's reasonable that there was much uncertainty as to where the Romulans originated. Well, I hope that helps. Keep up the great work. Live long and prosper, or should I I say, Jolan True, Rene. Well, I'm assuming cool. that's that's Vulcanese. I guess so. Vulcan is it Vulcanian? I don't know. They say Vulcanian sometimes. Whatever. I don't know. Just a Vulcanian once. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's a reasonable explanation. As reasonable as anything else. Um, I like it. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for for writing in. And if you'd like to write in, you can go to trek.fm/contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to me and Mike by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone, and you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com trek.fm, and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Max, hmm. you're the guest. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, basically on um, Commentary Trek Stars and Commentary Trek Stars. There's Trek Stars on Trek FM, which is somewhere around this place, and Commentary Trek Stars, which is on a website that is named very appropriately. Commentary Trek no, Stars. No, no, I would. All right. Fill it up for people. <laughs> Let them use their brains, man. On analogtrack1.com. Yep, find it there too. Yeah. And Mike, people can find you on those places also. Yes, you can. And you can find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or you can email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. On the, on the rare occasions that Max uses the Twitter account, he preface, prefaces all of his tweets with an X. Yeah. For Xavier. Um, yeah, and to distinguish myself from Mike with all of his stupid sports tweets. <laughs> We have uh, an iTunes review that we'll read um, from Dante Hopkins, who wrote to us uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, He gave us five stars and said, A dedicated TOS podcast is just so essential, and the hosts do a wonderful job in discussing this great show that was cut off only three seasons into its historic run. Always engaging and thought-provoking, much like the original series itself. Great work, guys. Keep it up. Thanks, Dante. We appreciate yes. it. And and if you want to leave reviews on iTunes, you can find us on iTunes and leave a review. Believe it or not. <laughs> I'm sure there are other places to rate us also, but 
Before we go, we'd also like you to please support our sponsor, who makes it possible for us to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks, with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible is something for everyone. There are numerous classic TOS books on Audible, as well as some of the all-time favorites like Prime Directive and Federation. Yeah, if, if you go to Audible, you can find a uh, some some interesting books on, on screenwriting, so maybe you can write the screenplay for the next Star Trek movie. There's one here called Story, Substance, Structure, Style, and the Principles of Screenwriting, which is uh, written and narrated by Robert McKee. And you can get that book for free if you sign up through uh, our, our offer code. That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you and Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Also, if you would personally like to support Standard Orbit, the network, and our programming, please visit trek.fm slash donate. We have eight alien-themed badges and art prints as a thank you for your contribution, and you can mix and match badges and art prints. There are different levels of donation to choose from, and your contributions help us cover the cost of production, storage, and bandwidth needed to bring Standard Orbit and our other shows to you every week. Still no Ioceans, though, right? Well, technically, any of them could be Ioceans. I guess they could be. Yeah. Because they could just put on makeup and pretend they're Cardassians or whatever. Yeah, that's true. Well, Max, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, this was fun. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landrew. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead, walk factor one. Hi, sir.